It's the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, part 20 of our series on the book of Philippians, Letters from Prison. Today's message is entitled, Luck, Success, and the Mind of Christ. Hey, just an update on a few things going on in North Shore Vineyard. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be running our annual Bag Hunger Drive, where we're going to be distributing some 1,200 bags in the Mandeville-Covington-Abita Springs area to collect food for the Covington Food Bank. If you're interested in participating in that, uh, you can check us, uh, probably email us through the website, sign up at the church. We also have another uh, meeting coming up on some other missions initiatives here in a couple of weeks as well. So be checking the website for that. Other than that, that's about the only news we got going on right now. Well, let's go ahead and get ready to head to the talk in downtown Covington, North Shore Vineyard. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Nicole. Um, we have a special... Okay, how many fathers do we have in here today? Raise your hand if you're a father. Great. Um, keep your hands up because we have a special gift for you today. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I want my gift. We are giving out the gift of beef jerky. Because what says Happy Father's Day like... I was going to do um, ribs and a, a beat of beer, but we just didn't, didn't get him here in time. So uh. <laughs> Next Father's Day. You know, we can't give it all out. In one. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to wait till after the message to eat this. But I won't be offended if, if you eat your jerky during the message. Um. Well, happy Father's Day. It's uh, Next year, we, we're, we're going to try to do something special. But we couldn't do anything special for Father's Day this year because we didn't do anything special for Mother's Day this year. So, so we're... Uh, I know. But next year, next year we're going to do special things for all the Hallmark holidays. I promise. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is every Sunday. That, that'll make my messages a lot easier. I'll just find out. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. That, see, see a, a wise father and husband you are, Ricky. <laughs> Today, you, li- you like the title? This sounds like some kind of new age business self-help book. Luck, Success, and the Mind of Christ. I'm going to be doing late night infomercials on that. Um, It'll make sense in a little while. So, um, Philippians 4, 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul writing from prison, part 20 of our uh, series here, Letters from Prison. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche. You're, you're pregnant, right? You looking for a name for, for a child? I don't know. I, I think that might... Euodia. Euodia. All right. Um, I, I plead with Euodia. I plead with Syntica. 
to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side and the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. How many of y'all like watching the Olympics? Any fans of the Olympics? Man, I, I can become a, just an Olympic junkie, at least the Summer Olympics. I, I like the Winter Olympics too, but man, you, you, part of the fun of watching the Olympics is, is the backstory. You, you like watching these things, Bob Costas, you know, they, they interview some of the Olympians, you know, what, whatever sport they're in, whether it's curling or uh, swimming or whatever, and, but you, you hear the backstory. So you know these guys train hard, but then you find out not only do they train hard, but this one's father died a year ago, so I'm in the Olympics to win this for my father, or I've overcome some kind of disease, and, and it's amazing. I, I was in awe of watching, uh, what is it, Michael Phelps? They, I don't know if, did any of y'all see where they went to like a diner with him to see what he eats for breakfast? That was sick, man. Like the, the dude eats like ten to 12,000 calories a day. We found out shortly after that he was smoking pot too. No. Uh. <laughs> Might be why. No. Uh, no. He, he, uh, <laughs> 10 to 12,000 calories a day. So his breakfast, his breakfast was like crazy, like 12 waffles, a few omelets, uh, and that was just the appetizer. And then he goes on. So, but, but you hear these, these kind of the backstory. And so when these people win a medal, when they get up there on that stand, you're like, oh, you know, you, you, you hear the patriotic music, the national anthem. And then when they get up there and they got the gold, you're just like, I get choked up, you know, you're like, because it's not just somebody winning. You, you, you've heard the whole backstory. Now it's like a story of personal triumph. It, it, it means something. Paul uses the imagery from the Olympics when he talks about the Philippians. Remember, the, the Olympics weren't invented by the, the United States. It goes back to ancient Greece. And Paul is drawing on a sports analogy here. He says, you guys in Philippi, you are my joy and my crown. The picture back in that day, you, you didn't necessarily get a gold medal. You would get a wreath. And they would place it either on your head or they'd place it around your neck. And Paul says, look, you guys in Philippi, you are like a wreath that I'm wearing around my neck. You're, you're the joy. I, I think about you and it's such honor. You're the prize. Paul is saying, I'm not in this business of Christianity to have a worldwide ministry or to even get some of my letters put in the, in the New Testament, although that happened. I'm not in this because I want bigger houses or bigger cars. I'm in this for you guys. And you are my crown, my prize. Paul is saying that he's invested so much in these relationships and seeing God do so much that, that when he thinks about these guys, he thinks of them as, 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 as the reward. That's the reward in and of itself. If nothing else happens to Paul, that's the reward. You guys have gone from, from being scattered people here and there to, to now God is forming you as a community. He's doing stuff in your lives. I'm seeing God do amazing things. And Paul, 800 miles away in a Roman prison all alone, when he thinks about him, he is overcome with joy. If you've been here with us for the last few months looking into Philippians, this is like 
probably the sixth or seventh time in the book of Philippians, Paul has talked about how much joy the Philippians bring him. He goes, every time I think of you, I have joy. You're my joy and my crown. I'm, you know, I'm reminded of, (laughs) I was thinking about this myself recently. It occurred to me that I have people all the time. If you're new here, this church hasn't been around a whole long a whole lot of time here in downtown Covington. We're, we're at about a year and a half that we've been doing these weekend services. And so I've still got people from outside of Louisiana, friends of mine who are in other parts of the country, or, or even people outside of this area who are always checking up on me. How are things going? Is it going to make it? <laughs> is, is, is the church still there? Have you run everybody off yet? Uh, and uh, I find myself consistently, this happens a couple of times a week, where I'm in the middle of a conversation talking about North Shore Vineyard, and I answer the typical questions that most pastors ask, like, you know, <laughs> how many people are showing up, or, you know, what, 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 are, what are y'all doing? But ultimately, I find myself back to this one point. You can't um, understand the amazing people that God has sent us. When I think about the group of people that were all over this part of the North Shore, from Robert to Hammond to Slidell, uh, up out in the middle of nowhere, Franklinton suburbs, uh, <laughs> Covington, Mandeville, uh, Macomb, Lacombe. <laughs> when I think about all the various people that, that God has formed a community, I, I tell these people that, that are asking about the church, I was like, I am just humbled to be a part of this. Because I'm so blessed. I don't feel like me and Dina are alone in the midst of this. I feel like God has put incredible people all around. And so when I see Paul talking about, you know, you are my joy, my, my crown, my, my reward, I'm like, I, I think I'm beginning to, to, to get some little sense of what he was talking about. Because every time, you know, there's, there's times where, where Dina and I, we get to where we're, you know, kind of depressed about something and, and we just start thinking, isn't it amazing? I told Dina that when her mom passed away about a month ago. I said, isn't it amazing? She was scared to death of moving to the North Shore because she had all these friends on the South Shore that, that were close to her. And I said, isn't it amazing that, that here you are going through this trial in your life, this incredible sense of grief and loss, but isn't it amazing that you're not alone in this? You've only been here. We've only been living on the North Shore for about a year and a half, but, but God has put people in your life that are holding you up, that are, that are, that are surrounding you and loving on you and, and carrying you in the midst of this. Isn't it wonderful? That's what Paul is getting at. He says, the, 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 the folks in Philippi, they have become so invested in one another relationally that now it, it, they're, they're hanging around each other's necks, so to speak. question I want to ask is, whose welfare are you so deeply invested in that it makes it all worth it? See, that's the joy for Paul. The joy for Paul isn't recognition. It isn't financial. Obviously, I mean, he's in a prison. <laughs> he's in a prison cell. It, it, his, his ministry would look like a failure to a lot of people on the outside. By the way, so would Jesus's <laughs> ministry. But Paul, in the midst of prison, he says, man, that's the reward. I've invested in you guys. You've invested in me. And, 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 and I wear that like 
a wreath around my neck, like a crown upon my head. I can't shut up about you guys. See, in a sense, looking at these words, Paul is, is, is kind of saying, you know, church is really people who have other people hanging around their necks. <laughs> That's church. That we would become so invested in, our, in the lives of one another that, that we just, man, when I think about Dwayne or Andy or Floyd or Nicole or Wanda, it brings me joy. Let me tell you about these people. Let me tell you what they mean to me. Do you have that in your life? I think you do. I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it with you guys. So Paul starts out with this kind of picture from the Olympics, from the world of sports. But then he, he turns a sharp corner. And I got to tell you, when I was looking at these scriptures, I'm like, ah, this, I don't know. I mean, this is a weird one. They're talking about Euodia and Sintica. I don't even know what we're going to do here. But I think there's some great stuff that we can learn about church life in the midst of it. There is a term that, that we haven't really touched on, though, in the Greek. It's popped up a lot of times in, Philipp, in, in Philippians. It's a term called phronesis. And phronesis in Greek is this idea of having a mindset, a way of viewing things. And Paul uses this over and over. Philippians 1.27. I'm just going to recap a few of the things that he's covered. He says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. <laughs> Philippians 2, 2 through 4, he says, Make my joy complete by being like-minded. Phronesis, having, having the same kind of mind, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather... In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking out to your own interest alone, but each of you to the interest of others. And finally, in Philippians 4.2, he says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind of the Lord. Euodia's name in Greek means lucky. And Syntyche means success. That's... Uh, why we got the name today, Luck, Success, in the Mind of Christ. Okay? It's not just my self-help book that I'm writing. Um, <laughs> so Paul is saying, Lucky, success, I plead with you to be of the same mind. Their names actually, the, the names Lucky and Success, it, that gives us a clue that they were not born in Judaism and they weren't born Christians. Those weren't Christian names. They were names from heathen, you know, from the pagan religions there, you know, so they were kind of named after gods. You, you, you want your kid to be lucky, you name them after the god of luck. You want your child to be successful, you name them success. And so you're, you're kind of putting that name upon them. So they, they didn't grow up in the world of Christianity. They were converts. They were also women. I know that, that that's hard to imagine because Syntica sounds like such a feminine name or Euodia. <laughs> uh, but these were women. The interesting thing that, that Paul says that these women have labored with him in the gospel. Now, just a little rabbit trail here. The church in Philippi, a, a little history about it. If you look in the book of Acts, it was started with a group of women. It was like a women's Bible study, and Paul converted them all to Christianity. So it starts out 
with, with women leaders. And then we, we see here that Euodia and Syntyche, lucky and success, they were leaders in the church, and they were women. And so there, there was a lot of women leadership going on in Philippi. What's interesting about this letter, when we typically read our Bibles nowadays, we kind of think of it as an individual affair, don't you? I mean, how, much, how often do you find we read the Bible like in public, like we just get a group of people. Let's just read the Bible together. That seems weird to us, doesn't it? Because we think of religion and the Bible as, as a very private affair, don't we? But understand, the book of Philippians, it was a letter. And it wasn't a letter to a person. It was a letter to a group of people. It was a letter to the church of Philippi. It was a letter that was meant to be read communally. Most people didn't even know how to read. So you'd find the person in, in, the, in the church that could read, and everybody would get around, what does Paul have to say to us? And so they're reading that letter, and then they get to this spot about lucky and success. Paul is addressing an issue between them in a very public way. Does that strike you as interesting? Like Paul, he's calling these two ladies out for something that, for, for an issue that they're having in their relationship. And he's doing it not privately. He didn't send them individual letters. He sends a letter to the whole church and gets the whole church in on what's going on with these two women. That kind of seems, it may seem harsh, but understand what Paul does not do here. Number one, he doesn't take sides. Paul addresses the issue, but he doesn't say, hey, look, you know, I've, I've, Epaphroditus told me everything's going on in Euodia. I think, uh, I think you're, you're all out of line here. I think you need to, to repent and uh, uh, do what Syntica is saying. Paul doesn't say that. He doesn't even say that they aren't justified in what they're feeling. Paul's not saying, look, you've got no reason to feel this way. He doesn't even say that, that lucky and success have to be friends. Paul is not after a forced love, nor is he after false reconciliation. Have you ever kind of got that idea around Christianity? You know, you just need to love them, if, if, even if you've got to grit your teeth. And, you know, I love you, brother. Uh, <laughs> bless God. Uh, Paul is not after that. Paul, Paul wants them to have a phronesis, a pattern of viewing this thing through the lens of Christ Jesus. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that, that, that we could view our past through the lens of Jesus. Well, Paul is saying not only to view our past, but to view one another through the lens of Jesus. See, for Paul... He sees that everything is connected. Now, we tend, you know, in the last few hundred years, humanity has kind of ended up in, in this place of modern reductionism. We reduce everything down to the smallest components. This is kind of the, the history of the Enlightenment, the scientific revolution. We, we have this idea that if you want to learn something about the big picture, you've got to break it down to its smallest components. So you study cells and then molecules and atoms. And the more that they start looking into atoms, the more that they find there's more and more small things that they didn't think existed. You know, they, 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 they find it's like infinitely small the farther they look. 
But the idea of modernism is you, 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 you take this thing and you kind of separate it from the whole and you deal with it that way. But that kind of thinking, that hasn't really existed in the history of humanity up until the last couple of hundred years. Paul sees everything as connected. We could probably learn a little something from that to take a bit more of that mindset. Because I find that things are often much more connected than we see. You know, when I was 30 years old, I started having chronic heartburn, um, which my doctor was like, dude, you're 30 years old. What are you doing having chronic heartburn? Well, he gave me Nexium, and that worked great. I didn't have heartburn as long as I was taking it. But if I stopped taking it, I would have heartburn. Um, But what I found after I've been taking this for months, there was a couple of times where I went on vacation, and I forgot my Nexium. And one of the times I went to Texas, and when I'm in Texas, I eat like the Texans. And so I was having tamales with chili for breakfast and (laughs) brisket for lunch. I mean, just like everything that would be like really bad if if you've got heartburn, right? You know, but I didn't have heartburn. Interesting thing was there had been a situation going on uh, between me and my boss at the time, and I was didn't feel like we were having very good communication. I I felt like uh, I was being expected to do things that I wasn't very good at. And I I was starting to get kind of resentful. And so I would write, but I was afraid to say anything. You ever been there? And so I I would write emails that I'd never send. I'd write letters that I'd never send. You know, I'd get my feelings out on paper and I'd feel a little bit better. So eh, I'm not going to send it out. So I was kind of in this perpetual sense of, just kind of shoving my feelings downward. Well, finally, it got to a point after about 10 months where I had to have a meeting. And I really figured that the meeting I had with my boss that day, I was going to lose my job because I was going to tell him how I really felt about things. And uh, I tell him how I really felt about things, not in an arrogant, accusing way. I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I don't, I don't want to. I'm tired of this. <laughs> And I got done figuring I would lose my job. I actually called Dean on the way over. I said, babe, I'm going to look for a new job tomorrow. I really, (laughs) I did not think there was any other way that that was going to work out. Uh, But what was interesting is is my boss, he's like, wow. He's like, you're right. I I hadn't even realized that. Good point. I'm like, what? (laughs) He said, yeah, let's just start over. Let's, 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 let's throw everything out and let's start over. And I'm, I was just absolutely blown away. It was, it was a turning point in, in my relationship with him. And it was a, a turning point in his relationship with me. And, and really a lot of things that were connected to both of us ended up beginning working out in, in different areas where I was working. So it was just a, it was an amazing thing. But, but what was interesting is that I stopped taking Nexium the next day. And I've never had chronic heartburn since. So the doctor was trying to treat my symptoms disconnected from the rest of me. He was trying to treat it as if it was just a problem with the acids in my stomach. Really, the problem over here didn't even have to do with physical stuff. It was emotional stuff over here. Once I got this dealt with, it was connected to this. See, Everything is a lot more connected than we tend to think of it. Actually, if you talk to doctors, they'll tell you a lot of the, a lot of the stomach stuff 
has to do with marriage problems <laughs> and finances, a, a lot of the headaches and high blood pressure that, they, that they're dealing with. It's really not anything physical. It's not even diet. It's not smoking. <laughs> it's relational stress. It's junk that people are internalizing, and it's connected to their physical being. And Paul, as he's writing to this church, he's saying, look, I want you to know that, that we are connected. I'm connected to you. Success and lucky. He said, you may think that this issue is only between you two, but it's affecting me here in this prison 800 miles away. Your junk is affecting me because we're all connected together. You, you, you can't. You can't think of yourself in the church as kind of separated, like I can have my own issues over here with this person and it's not going to affect anybody else. Paul is saying it's all connected. We are all part of the body of Christ. So I can't go over here and gossip about you and tell jokes about you at a party. And <laughs> did you hear about Ray? I'm just using you as an example. I haven't done this. Uh, <laughs> man, Ray. <laughs> I can't talk about Ray and just kind of get all the laughs in, at a party and then have that not affect my relationship with him. I can't harbor jealousy in my heart for Mike over here and, and, and not have that affect our relationship. It will affect things because we're all connected. See, the same way that people, you, you may have even noticed this on, on going through the book of Philippians. I hope you've noticed this. A lot of times we tend to take scriptures out of the Bible. Uh, we're going to hit one in Philippians in a couple of weeks that, that has been taken out of context so many times. We take these little scriptures and we remove them out of, out of the, the chapter and, and the book. And we just kind of say, oh, this is God's promise for my life. And I'm, you know, but <laughs> that's not what it actually meant to the original people. We tend to take scriptures out of context. But the same thing is we, we live our lives out of context. You, you may have noticed our, our little... Uh, Slogan here at this church is life connected. The idea is that, that we're connected to God, to one another, to community. It's all part of what God's doing. Proverbs twenty six eleven. This is a great life verse if you're looking for one. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. You know, there are some people you're going to get around in church. I've been around them before, and they just spew stuff. <laughs> you ever been around people who just vomit? <laughs> and what's bad, what's, what's bad is, what's even worse is that they don't just vomit. They return to it, you know? Some people are toxic. You get around them, and they just <laughs> But you don't have to be there when they return to their vomit, <laughs> You don't have to be there. You don't have to be around these people. I've got to tell you, in, in my time as a Christian, there are people that are even friends of mine that I know I can only be around them when we're talking about certain things because I know that they've got junk in their heart concerning people in church, pastors, folks that are good friends of mine, and I know if we get on that subject, they're going to start spewing, and they will return to it. And I cannot be around them when that junk's going on. Why? Have you ever noticed this before that maybe, maybe you've got some friends that 
you're perfectly okay with, but then you get around a certain person who has a disagreement with this person over here, and pretty soon they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of worried about so-and-so over there because blah, blah, blah. Did you hear what they... And you might not have had any issues in your, in your heart at all with that person, but you walk away and all of a sudden you've got this little seed planted in your mind about, oh, wow. And then all of a sudden that thing starts to grow and it starts to color your perception. And before long, just because we're social creatures, we kind of start sharing this stuff. Oh, did you, did you notice about so-and-so? I'm kind of worried about their marriage or, or their finances. I, I think something suspicious is going on. And pretty soon, you can find that there's a whole group of people that have been poisoned by this stuff. Some people are toxic. You just can't hang around with them. I've got a list of people that I can't hang around with, (laughs) even though I like them. And even though they're friends, I can't go there with them on some things because I've seen their junk ends up infecting me. Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever would foster love covers an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. If we want to foster an atmosphere of love, we will cover over an offense. But if we start repeating stuff... (laughs) We separate friends. But boy, we sure like to, we, we sure like to repeat it, don't we? <laughs> we get this little tidbit of information about so-and-so and, oh, man, I got to share this. I got to share this little piece of God. Oh, this is, this is amazing. So we put it on Twitter or Facebook. No. The writer of Proverbs is saying, when, when we get an offense, the loving reaction is to cover over that offense. The way of Jesus, the way of God is to cover over that thing. Not to ignore it, not to deny it. It may mean confronting that person in love, but boy, we hate confronting, don't we? Even in love. We would, I, I, I got to tell you, probably the reason I had so much heartburn for 10 months, it took me 10 months to confront this guy. Uh, in love. Because, oh, I hate, I would rather talk to all kinds of people than actually share the truth with somebody sometimes. I'd rather get a whole group of people together and share little nuggets with them and kind of get it off my chest that way than actually go to a person in truth and in love and share what's on my heart. But he's saying that if we share these things, we separate the closest, we, we violate the law of love. We, 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 we break down relationships. We separate people. Proverbs ten twelve. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. You know, not a while back, I, I, I had a, there was a pastor that, I felt had had done me wrong, and a few weeks went by, and and it was kind of festering on the inside, and I was feeling. It was one of those things that was starting to affect my sleep a little bit, you know, because I was just thinking about it, and I had, 
And I had, I had talked to him about some of the issues we were having. And, and I felt like we'd got to certain places, but we were still kind of button heads. And, and finally, it kind of came to a, a head one day. And, and I ended up saying some things I probably didn't need to say. And then it, it kind of got to a bad spot. But you know what I ended up doing a few days later? I, I just I shot him a text. I said, can, can I take you to lunch? And so he said, yeah. So we went, we sat down and had lunch. Do you think I really wanted to go to lunch? Do you think I really wanted to take the guy to lunch? No. <laughs> I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling the love. <laughs> Initially, it was a choice. Because I realized if I let this stuff in my heart, not only is it, you know, ultimately it's, 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 it's horrible for me. Ultimately, if I let that junk in my heart, it's horrible for me. But, but as a pastor myself, and as this guy's a pastor, it's horrible for the body of Christ. <laughs> because there's enough of that junk already without me contributing to it. So I took him to lunch. And I got to tell you, when you sit down to eat lunch with someone, when you share a meal, when you start hearing their heart, their passions, their trials, the things they're going with, all, all of a sudden, all that junk that the enemy tries to put on to, to kind of make your enemy into a monster, all of a sudden you start seeing him as a human being who loves God, who's really just trying to do, who, who has, yeah, maybe has issues. By the end of lunch, I realized, you know, dude, I, I do love you. I am glad for what God's doing in your life. I, I think... We have an issue here. I still don't agree with the way some things are done, but, but you know, I'm willing to move beyond that, and I'm okay with that. See, that's what Paul is getting at here with lucky and success. He's saying, you guys have got an issue with one another, and I'm not going to be the arbiter in this. I'm not going to step in here, and I'm not going to say that one of you is wrong and one of you is not. I'm not going to say get over the way you're feeling or to delegitimize what you're feeling. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say, as members of the body of Christ, understand that you're connected to other people. And also in this context, Paul is writing to these people in context of a group. So what's he saying? All of you, all of you guys <laughs> that are tempted to take sides with luck or success. I'm in the luck club. I'm in the success club. All of you that are tempted to do that. Let's get back on track and let's try to see this through the lens of Jesus Christ. See, this is, you know, I'm glad that, that the church only had problems like this 2,000 years ago. It seems like a foreign place. But try to imagine how this might play out here. <laughs> try to imagine as far as I'm concerned, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of divisive, crazy things go on here. They might be going on, and I just haven't seen them. But I guarantee if you stick around North Shore Vineyard very long, there's going to be times where people disagree. There's going to be times where people disagree with me. There may be people in here this morning who've been disagreeing with, with me for a long time, and you've been holding it in for 10 months, and you got heartburn. <laughs> Maybe you need to have a meeting with me. Uh, <laughs> But there's going to be a time where people in this church disagree. 
And the temptation is to take sides. The temptation is to form factions. The temptation is to, you know, define ourselves against one another. What Paul is saying, let's remember Jesus Christ. Let's remember his grace. Let's remember that he has put us together. He's put us together. You might like to hang around with people who are all like you. (laughs) That wouldn't be fun for very long. God has put us together. And part of our growth in Christ is conflict. Part of our growth as people is learning how to deal with conflict in a kingdom way. In the way of Jesus. Man, I have seen way too many church splits over the years. People who just let these things that started with something rather insignificant. I mean, I've seen, oh, dude, hang around church long enough, you can see crazy things. People getting in fights over carpet (laughs) and parking places. This is my chair. It's got my butt prints on it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't sit there. Can we view one another through the lens of Christ? See, That's not the normal way. I mean, it's not normal for us. It wasn't normal for lucky or success to view things through the lens of Christ. They didn't grow up around Jesus. They grew up in in, in homes where Jesus was not ever mentioned. And Paul is saying, you've got the temptation to view things that way. You've got temptation to to fall back on the way that your family used to do things. Well, in my family, we just kind of ignore things. In my family, when dad was mad at mom, he would leave for a couple of days until things got okay in his heart, and then he'd come back around and and everything was okay. That's the way we deal things. Well, no, that's not the way we deal with things in the body of Christ. My family got mad. We just... We just had a good old yelling at each other and and then got it all out and we all felt better. Well, that's not the way we deal with things in the body of Christ. We try to view things through the lens of Jesus. We don't deny. We don't suppress what we're feeling. We don't try to hide it or cover it up. We try to share the truth in love and in humility. And ultimately, sometimes they're not going to agree. Sometimes... I don't know how it worked out with Euodia and Syntica. I don't know if they ever got to a place where they just, oh, you know, I see things the way you see it. Sometimes you, you do have to agree to disagree, but, but, but we, we realize at the end of the day, there's something bigger that unites us than our personalities or our views or our doctrines or whatever. We're united by Christ Jesus. So today... I encourage you, whatever you're facing in your life right now, you may have some issues that where you feel like you've got some, some, some justification to, to, to hate somebody, another Christian. You may have some real malice in your heart. You may feel like you were hurt. And, but my encouragement is, can you... Try to ask God to give you the grace to see that through the lens of Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, this morning, Lord, we bring you all the things in our lives, Lord. All these these things that that stress us out, Lord, that that keep us uh, just become a heavy weight. 
Lord, even in our physical being. Lord, the stuff that just gives us tension, not just on the inside, but Lord, tension in our necks and our heads. Lord, the stuff that keeps us up at night. Lord, we bring you these things, Lord. We may have completely justifiable reasons for feeling the way we do. But Lord, I pray that you would give this church the grace to view these things through the lens of what you've done. Lord, you would give us the boldness by your Spirit, the courage by your Spirit to not just suppress these things and stuff them down or to not just vomit them on other people, God, but that where it's needed, we could speak the truth in love and in humility. Lord, that you'd set us free from this, God. And I pray that even in this church, God, Lord, that we wouldn't be, that, that every person in here, God, or that we wouldn't be used by the enemy to separate one another, to, to bring division. Lord, but we would be a people who cover over offenses with your love. God, we admit this morning that, that is, that's a foreign land to us. It's different from our families. It's different from what we know. But God, help that reality to be true in our lives. Help us to live the life of Christ. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if, if you'd like any specific prayer, uh, we can grab a couple of people to, to, to pray with you. Otherwise, happy Father's Day. Enjoy some jerky. <laughs> God bless y'all. We'll see you here uh, next uh, Sunday. We'll see you Tuesday for the marriage course if you're coming. If your problem won't go away And your worries night and day Hand it over Get on your knees and pray If you're sick, feeling low Got no money Just be-